their fears would keep them compliant. But he couldn't go too young, as toddlers were too labor-intensive. Older kids were just too unpredictable. A kid between four and seven seemed the right age. He maintained his distance, twenty to fifty feet back. He slipped his hands into his jacket pockets, and his right hand found the chloroformed handkerchief he'd prepped. He'd be swift and decisive. The kid and the people around him wouldn't know what hit them. The kid stopped at a store with an open storefront. He picked up a toy cable car. This was Connor's moment. He moved in. He maneuvered the handkerchief into his palm so that he could bring it out of his pocket in a single seamless move. He closed in on the boy. Just as he got within striking distance, the kid's brother turned around. His gaze went straight to Connor's. A flicker of confusion crossed his face. He recognized something was off, but it was clear by his expression that he didn't know what. Fear kicked in, and he doubled back to his little brother. Connor's aborted the abduction and let the boys go. Snatching two in public like this wasn't an option. Big Brother grabbed his little brother's hand and hauled him in the direction of their clueless parents. Losing his fish like this didn't upset him. He admired the brother for his simple and prompt action. It was a good sign that the survival instinct was alive and well. He peeled off and bought an ice cream from a store. By the time he'd rejoined the flow of people, his little family of out-of-towners was gone. He spent the next forty minutes stalking prey without finding anything suitable. Things looked promising as he approached the aquarium at Pier 39. There was a nice concentration of people. The higher the density, the easier it was to pull off a snatch-and-grab. He estimated that at least two hundred people milled around in bulky lines, waiting to buy tickets for the aquarium and other attractions. Here he saw his opportunity. Families were separated. One person waited in line while everyone else wandered off to do something else. Some looked out at the water. Others took in the street performers. Others window-shopped. With everyone separated, it would be easy to pick off an ignored child. A large family, he judged from their accents they were British, drew his eye. He guessed there were eight to ten of them spread out across the sidewalk. It was a multi-generational affair with parents, kids, and possibly uncles and aunts. A couple of guys stood in line at the brightly painted can't-miss-it information center and box office. They called across to a pair of women with a waifish preteen girl. Four or five kids between six and twelve, lost in a game of their own devising, ran around between people's feet. Matthew! Matthew! One of the women yelled. She was heavy-set with overly bleached blonde hair. Despite the chill in the air and the cloudy day, she sported a sunburn across her face and shoulders. A boy of around twelve stopped running. Where's Grace? I told you to keep an eye on your sister. I am. She's over there, he said. 
Connors looked over in the vague direction of where the boy pointed. It took him a moment to spot the lone figure of a young girl, maybe five or six years old, looking at a sign for the aquarium, a stuffed rabbit dangling from one hand. She was the perfect candidate in every way. Make sure you look after her. That's your job for today. Yes, Mom, I know. Just see that you do. Matthew shook his head and rejoined the game with the other kids, at the expense of any and all concern for Grace. Connors wandered over to the girl, who was now watching a street performer juggle bowling pins. She was part of a semicircle of a dozen or so people. No one asked the kid whom she was with. Everyone seemingly assumed that she was with someone.